You're listening to episode 28 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything I have to offer, visit moneyowners.com. What is happening, my fellow money owners? So my apologies um, in advance for getting this episode out particularly late. I was actually traveling last week for the entire week, um, and I had not an ounce of time to record this, but what I had done in in anticipation of that trip was I recorded the podcast to be released on Friday in advance, but I was sick, <laughs> which now that I'm thinking about this podcast, I feel like I'm constantly apologizing for how sick I am on this podcast and what my voice sounds like and all the sniffling and everything. But um, basically, we uh, my, my mom takes my son to a class with other kids every Wednesday, and I swear my son's been sick on and off for the last two months as a result of that. And so have I, because, you know, I like to like snuggle up with my son and then I get something. So um, in recording 28, what happened was it sounded really quite bad. And (laughs) I didn't want to subject you to that. So instead, I decided to just make you wait a little while longer for me to re-record this and get the information you need um, in a manner where I'm not, you know, gasping for air and sniffling the entire time. So please forgive me on that. And I hope that's okay. So we're going to dive right into episode 28 here. Just to review episode 26 and 27, and this episode 28 are part of a four-part series on business ownership. We will do the fourth part of the series in episode 31. Um, We actually have a guest coming in for episode 29. That's going to be all on student loans, and I want to make sure to get that information out to you guys. Um, And episode 30 will be a QA. and a So... Um, originally when I had planned this, I had planned it to just be 26 through 29, um, to just, you know, all go in a row and be consecutive. But, um, the way it worked out is that it won't be that way. Um, having said that, if you're the kind of person who likes just jumping in anywhere in the middle of a little mini series, then by all means, listen here. If not, if you want to start at the beginning, then go back to episode 26. Episode 26 is all about how to start a business and all the things that you need to do to get in place um, before you start your business. That said, um, even though you've already, if you're already in the midst of running a business, I think there's still some good tidbits in there that you probably can get from episode 26. Same thing with 27. 27 is all about the first year. 28, if you can guess, is going to be about years two and three. So let's dive in here right now. So I would say years two to three are the hardest years. And it's really important that you think about it that way, because um, especially before starting a business, knowing going into it that years two and three are going to be particularly hard because you kind of lose all the excitement (laughs) of starting a business. Um, It starts to wear off in year one because things start to get real and money stops coming in and you start you stop really believing in yourself. And generally, if people can get through years two and first part of year three, there you hit an inflection point where things start to really pick up. That's for a number of reasons. One, you've been around a while. Um, you've probably been able to either sell your product or sell your services to people who then can tell other people about it. And those people in turn, you sort of have like a multiplying effect of if you're really doing a good job for your clients, they go out, they tell more people, those people become clients and so on and so on. Um, that's on a service business. It's a little bit easier for me to talk about a service business having started two service businesses now. Um, it's a little bit more difficult for me to talk about selling widgets and everything else that comes along 
along with that. So um, when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm, I'm going to focus specifically on service businesses. Um, and my apologies if you're trying to start a product style business, but um, maybe there's another podcast out there for you. <laughs> <laughs> or listen to this one because, you know, a lot of it is the same, even if I'm not specifically talking about your industry. So getting back to it being really, really hard, the number one thing that I want you to think about as you're kind of, you know, crying inside about how hard it is and how little money is coming in and everything else that's associated with that is you have to rekindle that fire that you had from the beginning. And you need to do it in a way that really gets you going, gets you off the couch, gets you to want to do things. So we have to think about what are the three most essential elements that are going on in your life right now that are really important to you, that are really important for your business. And you need to remind yourself of those every single day. And that's really going to get you through years two to three because it's not easy. And it's particularly not easy because you're, you know, you're probably maybe run out of that runway that we put together in um, episode 26. You know how we set aside some cash so that you can really get your business going. You probably ran out of that in year one. You probably didn't put aside enough capital. So things are starting to feel really tight. You're probably tightening your belt. You're probably feeling like things are a little bit scarce in general. Like you really need to bring clients in because, Hey, like I really want to make this work. You're probably also feeling stretched as far as your time, because maybe you already have some clients and you're doing work for them and you don't have as much time to get out there and market because you have to actually provide the service that you claimed you were going to you know, provide in year one. So I see that happen to um, clients of mine quite a bit where Year one, it's not easy, <laughs> but it tends to be easier than years two and three because you start to be a lot more strapped for time because in year one, you really could just go out there and, you know, sell the dream, sell the reason why you left your corporate job or whatever you did to go start your business. Um, and you had way more time because you maybe only had one or two clients at the beginning or, you know, maybe it picked up, but it really wasn't until towards the end of year one. So I really encourage you to really dig deep inside yourself and think about all of the reasons why you are doing this and write them down, put them in a place where you can see it, put it all over your house. Don't just put it like, you know, next to your desk. I don't know, even draw a picture, draw a picture or print a picture of your family or do something that will remind you every single day why you're doing this so that you do it so that you're not like, you know, procrastinating in bed and not wanting to get out of bed because you don't know what to do with your life or you're not binge watching Netflix as a way of, you know, kind of stifling some of those hard feelings that you're having. I would say like, you know, there are ways for you to deal with those feelings. Meditation is definitely a good, you know, route for, you know, uh, for actually feeling your feelings and being able to channel them somewhere. Um, exercise helps too, <laughs> but, um, you have to find a thing that helps you kind of clear your mind, um, so that you can go out and be the most productive that you can be. So having said that, um, let's kind of dive into some other stuff here. I would say building a support network was super important to me um, on two fronts. So one, you need a support network of people who love and care about you who are kind of on a personal level. And then you also need a professional support network, depending on what industry you're in, you would want to pick, you know, some people who are kind of going through what you're going through, even if it's not exactly what you're going through. On the personal front, like for me, it was really helpful to have my husband. I mean, he, <laughs> we like to joke around about this. He's a 50% equity stake in, you know, both of my businesses. So he has skin in the game and he cares um, about what the businesses do from, from that standpoint, but he also just cares about me, right? That's why he married me. So, um, and he also happens to be really, you know, thoughtful about his ideas um, and he listens. So I would say the first thing you probably need in a supportive network that's personal is somebody who will listen to you. That person might not necessarily know what you're going through, um, but they can empathize with you. 
for sure. And if you find a good listening ear, sometimes that's kind of all you need to work out all the other stuff. You could, you actually know all the answers, which I think is kind of the interesting thing. Like we know our lives best. We know our businesses best. You know exactly what is going on in your life. You know exactly what is going on in your business. You just need a friendly ear. You just need somebody who's willing to sit down with you and hear the tough stuff that you're going through and somebody who can really truly empathize with you. So you can get that stuff off your chest and then you can think, okay, well, what can I do? What can I do to make this happen? Um, I would, so I would say on the personal front, that's really, really important. And then it's also important on the professional front. So it was really helpful for me to join a study group of financial planners when I um, was in year, I guess I was in the end of year two when I joined my first study group. I wish I actually had joined one sooner. Um, I met some really great people. Um, one of the people from my original study group is somebody I still talk to to this day. So I've now known him many years. Um, and we now have another study group, um, which we do. And, and the thing that's really cool about that is like, if you find people who are going through the same thing that you're going through and they're in a similar stage in their business, then they're working through the same problems that you are. So you can kind of hear how they're going about doing things. And maybe you can apply some of that to your own practice. You can tell them how you're going through things as well. So it doesn't feel like a one-way street, which is really nice. And and then the last thing is like sometimes just having an, a listening ear of somebody who knows what you're going through, exactly really what you're going through will help you solve these problems a little bit better for your own practice or for whatever business that you're that you're doing. So I highly suggest building a support network, both personally and professionally to make sure that you really get those needs met. Um, and then it sometimes feels like, hey, it's a waste of time and I can't possibly dedicate, you know, an hour and a half a week to people who will listen to me about my business. But that hour and a half is going to make you so much more efficient because you'll get really good ideas about it. And I would say when you leave those kinds of, of meetings, the number one thing that will really help you apply that stuff is also rekindling that fire that we've been talking about. So if you've got that picture around or you've got your, you know, most essential things that you really want to get done, you're able to combine that with the meeting, then, you know, you get a real fire going, you're able to get out there and do it. So I would say it's not enough to talk to people because sometimes, you know, like we think, I mean, kind of this podcast is one of those things, right? If you're not, if you're just listening to the podcast and you're taking, and you're not really necessarily taking notes or really thinking about what you're going to do with the information in Money Owners Podcast, then, you know, you're kind of just listening to this for nothing. So um, that's actually why we've been, I've been putting up homeworks and other things like to get you a little bit more engaged to get you doing some of these things. So you're not just up in your head, you're getting it out there, you're, you're actually taking action in this world. And the actions are what are going to get you the results you want. So we have to start thinking more about our behavior and actions and, and results, rather than all the stuff that's flooding up our brains, right? We've been talking about this quite a bit. But and it's something I actually I want to kind of change a little bit what I've said about our convictions and our thoughts and our beliefs. Um, because this is actually something that, that came to light for me last week while I was traveling is that, you know, the stuff that's in our head, the stuff that really keeps us back, all the like really negative thoughts we have about ourselves, and we all have them. So you're not alone in having them. But those things aren't really things that we can necessarily change. So I think one of the, the things that I've been telling you over and over again, it's like, hey, you can change your thoughts. And it's true, you can change your thoughts, but you don't fully remove them. So I think part of that is that you're able to accept, hey, like, you know what, I have some of these thoughts. And that's okay. And they're part of me. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's all that I am. It doesn't necessarily mean that I can't get out there and do the things that I need to do, because I've got all this crowd in my brain that isn't going away. So when you become more results oriented, when you can really truly look at the results of like, hey, this is what I want out of my business. So for instance, 
money owners podcast. I'll just tell you, this is what I want out of money owners podcast and money owners, the business. I want to be able to reach a lot of people with free information, like from this podcast. And I also want some of those people to in turn think, Hey, this woman actually knows what she's talking about. And I think that she can really truly help me be the best version of who I want to be and really help me not only decide what those things are, but strategize on how to do it and prioritize them. So I actually get them done, right? That's what I'm promoting here. And that's what I would bring me a lot of joy is, you know, not only helping a lot of people who are just listening to this, but also helping a select group of people who also, you know, really want one-on-one attention and can want that human connection to, to get going. You need to think about that too. So you can't just, you know, think, hey, I need a marketing plan, I need a this plan, I need to talk to a business coach and have all of this stuff going in your head about what you have to do with your business. You need to be thinking about the exact results that you want. And we've kind of talked about this, but the exact results that you want from your business. And then you need to make a list of what you need to do to get those results. And then from there, from that list, you need to actually break it down further and decide what you need to do on that list to you know, get those things done and then to get the results that you want. And I will even take this to a next step. So this kind of leads into one of the topics I wanted to talk about, which is time management. And it's not enough to just have those action items. You actually need to put a time next to them. (laughs) So for instance, like if you, you know, you know, you need to make, let's say a hundred phone calls to, um, to reach, let's say 10 people who are at, and then have the next phone call with you. So then you could take on one client. I don't know what your sales funnel looks like. I'm just making this up off the top of my hand. You need to actually say, okay, Hey, like if I need to talk to a hundred people and those calls are going to take me 15 minutes, right? Right away, you know, you need 1500 minutes (laughs) to then get 10 people who will maybe then schedule an hour phone call with you. So it's 1500 minutes. I can't do that math in my head. My apologies. And then you need another 10 hours to talk to people to maybe get one person who will take a long-term engagement with you, which maybe will take you another 10 to 15 hours to get paid on that contract, right? Or however you structure it. But that the, the, you have to also think about the result of, Hey, I got this client and how long it's going to take me to like get the work done for the client. You have to think of that too, so that you're able to kind of map this all out. And then I also, the thing that I would add is that you need to put it on your calendar. So if you really are making a hundred phone calls and each phone call is going to take you to 15 minutes, right? Where are you going to find those 1500 minutes over the course of however long of a period of time that you decided you needed to make those, those hundred phone calls. And hopefully it's not like, you know, a year that you're hoping to make, (laughs) make those phone calls, but you know, over a, a period of time that actually makes sense for your business. So this kind of goes to other things of like, hey, if if I'm going to be time blocking for my phone calls, then I also need to be time blocking for the work that I need to do. So maybe it's not maybe the 15 minutes per phone call is enough. But you also maybe need to take some notes afterwards of, you know, what people said to you, how you can refine what you're saying to them on the phone to make sure that maybe you convert more than 10 of the 100 or whatever you really need. You might actually it might actually take you 20 minutes rather than 15 minutes. And you need to put that on your calendar as well. I've found that people who honor their calendar get things done. I'm one of these people. I put stuff on my calendar and I typically do things on my calendar. I'm not a saint. That doesn't mean that every time something is on my calendar, it gets done. But typically I would say about 80, 80 to 90% of the things that are on my calendar are things that I do. And if I'm moving an event around and I'm not taking care of it, then it's one of two things. One, I either really don't want to do it and I should think about whether or not that's something I even need to be doing. Or two, um, it's something that is I needed to have blocked off more time for and the slot that I put it in just simply wasn't enough. So 
I would say that if you are not doing things on your list of stuff to do, you need to really think about whether or not it's something you want to be doing. And if you, it's something that you truly need to be doing. Um, and if it is something you truly need to be doing and you don't want to be doing it, can you delegate it is another thing. And then if you're going to delegate it, how much time do you need to actually delegate it? That has to go on your calendar too. Um, I like to see clients do this quite a bit. So when I talk to clients about running their businesses, um, we like to break down their to-do lists. Uh, and we do it like this. They write down everything they have to do. And then I make them put a time next to it. It's all you have to do is say, Hey, like, okay, this report, this report that I have to get out for a client, it's going to take me 35 minutes to do. You write down 35 minutes. Okay. The next thing I have to do is I have to call, you know, my accountant about X, Y, and Z, and that's going to take me 15 minutes, put that down, right. And go all the way down the list. And even if your list is 35 things, it's a lot more manageable when you can see how much time it's going to take you to do each thing. And then if there's really something on there, that's going to take you, you know, two plus hours, maybe you could break it down. It's going to take you two hours. It probably has a bunch of steps in it. Is it something that you need to do all two hours? at once because if you've been putting it off and kicking the can down the road, you're not doing it because you know it's going to take you two hours. Maybe you can do you know, one of the steps that would only take you 15 minutes to get the ball rolling. So I highly encourage you to write these things down that way and, and be specific because the more specific you are, the more likely you are to actually be able to do the things on your to-do list and the more productive you would be. And when I talk about this kind of stuff, people say, well, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time. How can I possibly do that? And here's the one thing I want to say to you. So I read this somewhere um, and I and I truly believe it because I do it in my life. For every one minute of planning that you do, you save five minutes on the other side. So if you can take five minutes out of your day to write down the stuff that you need to do and quickly put a time next to it, you're going to save 30 minutes the next day from just doing that. I'm sorry, I did that math wrong. <laughs> If it takes you six minutes, you'll save 30 minutes. If you did five minutes, it'll save you 25 minutes. Excuse me. <laughs> Anyways, you know, I see, again, not a saint, but it's okay because we correct ourselves and we're human. But I'm just throwing that out there because I think sometimes we think, oh, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. And that's exactly when you need to take the time, when you're feeling totally overwhelmed and you don't know what you're doing and you're in years two and three of your business and it's super hard. And honestly, you're in any aspect of your life and you think everything going on is way overwhelming and you can't do it put down the stuff that you need to do and put a time next to it and then schedule it on your calendar and then honor your calendar. So honoring your calendar is so important. I know I've already said it, but I'm going to say it again. If you're going to put stuff on your calendar and you're not going to do it, why even bother taking the time to do that? Um, and if you're not going to honor a commitment to yourself, you need to evaluate why aren't I honoring this commitment to myself? Is it because I don't feel like I'm worth it? And I guarantee it, you are worth it. So what do you need to do? What can you do to make yourself feel like you're worthy of honoring your calendar and doing like honoring the person that you're meant to be? What can you do to be that person? I challenge you on that. Really, I truly do. I want you to be that person and you do too. So, you know, you, you have to be thinking about these things when you're putting together just really anything. I mean, successful entrepreneurs, like they don't do the minimum for their company right? And they also, maybe some people, you know, who are running good, successful businesses are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I guarantee though, when you think about your life plan, that that's probably not what you want to be doing. I'm sure there are things outside your work that you want to be doing that you find really fulfilling, even if your work in and of itself is fulfilling. So time management is the way to go. Really, it truly is. And um, even if it takes you in year one, you know, the 60 to 70 hours as you're starting to get through years two and three, like that's, you know, you're starting to get to a point where you've worked really, really hard. And maybe that's not the track that you want to be going down. And, and I, I hope for you that you think that, you know, maybe I can get some of these hours back by, back by doing some planning. 
and taking care of myself and doing the things that I, that can help me rejuvenate so that I can spend less time. Um, and then be honest with yourself too, because I'm sure there's a lot of procrastinating and other things going on, um, checking Facebook or checking Instagram or being on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is technically work, but it's really not, you know, those things that are kind of time sucks that you don't even realize 30 minutes have gone out the door, right? These are 30 really precious minutes that you were just claiming 10 minutes ago that you didn't have. So I would highly recommend that you work on your time management processes um, and, you know, re-listen to this a couple of times if you don't feel like you're getting it right. Um, Or, you know, find somebody else that knows what they're talking about, about time management. I don't know. You do you, but I, I want you to get that right. I really do. Um, Another thing is finding your niche. So I would say this is super important uh, because you'll, if you know your niche, it makes you productive on two fronts. One, you know who to market to because you know who you're working with. It's not like I'm working with the whole world, right? Money owners, money owners, we don't work with the whole world, right? We work with people who want to start small businesses or people who, you know, are already in the midst of starting their small business and they need help. That's who we work with at Money Owners. That's not to say that if a small business owner didn't refer me somebody who wasn't, you know, in that group of people that I wouldn't want to help. I absolutely do want to help because I love working with people and I want to help people, but that's not who I'm marketing to, right? That's not what this podcast has mostly been about, even though there have been a lot of random topics because I find it fun. But yeah, so I would say like, you got to really get clear on who you're working with. And when you're clear on who you're working with, it helps you market to them. And it also helps you be productive because then you're you're presented with similar problems over and over and over again. And it doesn't take you hours to figure out what you're supposed to be doing for that person. Um, it'll help you really just, you know, get them where they need to be in, a, in an efficient manner because you know how to do it and you've seen it before. All right. That's all I'll leave with that. Um, and I mentioned this before, but I want to mention again is that you have to be very, very specific with your goals. So this goes back to time management. Um, and also really everything that we've been talking about is that the more specific you are, the more you can break it down, the easier it is for you to actually take action on it. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you say, Oh, I want to start a business or I want to have the most successful business in the world. Right. Okay, we all want to have a successful business, right? Nobody starts a business being like, I hope to have the most mediocre, crappy business in the world. (laughs) Nobody's saying that. Okay, great. So you want your business to be successful? What can you do to make it be successful, right? And then break it down from there. And then what can you do to get that next step done? Okay, and what can you do? What can you do? Just keep telling yourself that over and over again. What can I do? What can I do to do this? And you will find the answer. I promise you, you will, because there's all sorts of really cool things in your brain that are going to help you do it. Um, delegating when possible. So we sort of mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but it is super important. So if you're really finding that there are tasks over and over again that you're doing that you just really don't want to be doing anymore and it's dragging you down and it's actually preventing you from running your business in years two and three, usually you have some cash flow coming in. You probably have enough coming in where you could start delegating some of these things. The first thing I typically see people delegate who aren't financial planners like me (laughs) is their accounting, right? People hate doing their bookkeeping. Um, generally hate doing their taxes. You probably weren't even doing your taxes before you started your business. Um, so I would say it is, it's, it's an easy thing to delegate and something that will save you a couple hours every month or however long it's been taking you. Um, or maybe you're not even doing it and then it ends up being a gigantic task at the end of the year. I would highly suggest outsourcing that if that's the case for you. Um, and really anything, right? So if you like, you know, hire a virtual assistant to help you out with some of like the administrative tasks that you really need, hire somebody who can actually do some of the work while you're meeting with clients that that's really important to you or vice versa. You don't like meeting with clients, but you like doing the work, find somebody who could be more client facing. I don't know. You know, you, right. I don't know you. I'm just talking to you about what potential solutions could be. But what I will say is that 
when you start to delegate, you start to free up your time. And yeah, it takes resources for sure. And there's that time and resource lever that you constantly need to be thinking about and balancing as a business owner of, hey, do I have enough money to pay some of these people to do some of these things? Um, and that's where I would highly suggest you actually go back to episode one where we talked about thinking about a project and um, and like a net present value on it and like an internal rate of return. It is important to you. It is important that you be thinking about this stuff when you're thinking about running a business of how much revenue you need to have come in to cover some of these things. But like in, in bookkeeping, for instance, that's just something you have to do, right? There, there's no revenue that's going to come from bookkeeping. What is going to come though is like, you won't have to do that anymore. And therefore you will be freed up to go do other stuff. And it'll probably free up more than just those hours that you were doing it, right? Because there's probably a lot of dread going into some of these tasks that you don't want to do. So what do, what do people do when they dread tasks? I know this is what I do. I don't do it, right? Instead, I think of like 10 other things I could do. Things that might even be less pleasant than just doing that task if I had really thought about it, right? Like, I can even think of an instance where there was some, I was like putting off some compliance work in my practice. So what I do, I cleaned all of our bathrooms, right? Like nobody really likes cleaning bathrooms. Like that's one of the things that people tend to outsource in their personal lives is like they get a, they hire a cleaning person as soon as they, they get like feasibly can. And, and that's what I'm doing because I didn't want to do compliance work, right? Like you really got to th- <laughs> got to think in your head, like, am I doing this right? If this is what I'm doing, if I'm doing an even less pleasant task to, um, to prevent myself from doing this other thing and then calling myself productive because I'm getting other stuff done. Um, and then the last thing I really want to leave you with is this idea of persistence and time. So years two and three are really hard and they're hard because you've kind of been around and you're, you're like, Hey, I'm really expecting, I've been around now. Like people should be working with me. What's going on? Why aren't I doing this right? All sorts of negative feelings come up from, from years two and three for sure. And I had plenty of them. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to go through it with money owners because money owners has been a year now and money owners, like, you know, like the champagne cork, that popping sounds really worn off. (laughs) You're starting to enter year two where things get a little rougher, right? Um, and thankfully, I have my other business, so this doesn't feel as urgent to really get off the ground. But um, time is sometimes all you really need. Um, and if you combine it with persistence, it could be very powerful. So what I mean by that, um, and I'll actually point to an example in my financial planning practice. So year one was super exciting for me, but I didn't get that many clients. And then year two, same thing. And, um, and I, and I kept being like, I kept showing up at stuff and I kept showing my face and I kept giving out my card and I kept calling and getting in front of people and people would say no to me. But after a while in year three, when they started, they kept seeing me show up, they kept seeing me go to things. They kept seeing that I was there. Um, people really started to take notice of that. And yes, it also means that you have to be strategic about the places that you're going to. You can't just like show up anywhere and anywhere and just like assume that people are going to come and do business with you. But it was really helpful because at some point it really felt like, oh, she's still here. She still has a financial planning practice. Maybe I need that. I guess she's been doing it right because she's still around. Um, and I really kind of felt that I didn't, nobody ever said that specifically to me in our interactions, but I started to feel that for sure. In year three, things really started changing for me. And, um, I definitely hit an inflection point in my business in year three and like the referrals were out of control after that. And it's, it's been smooth sailing ever since I would say like, uh, from that standpoint, from a revenue growth standpoint, we'll talk about this actually in episode 31, (laughs) 
about the other problems that happen once you start to really get revenue growth going. So I want to save that for the next episode, but I really want to leave you with that. Like with, Hey, you might just need time. You might be doing all the right things, but you need time. And that kind of goes for marketing strategies as well. You can't just like throw lots of darts out there. We kind of talked about this in episode um, 27 and what to do in year one. You can't just like be willy nilly doing stuff and switching from here to there. You have to be consistent. You have to be persistent about the things that you pick and you have to wait for them to work out because if you really are doing the right thing and you believe in what you're doing, it will. I promise you it will. So that's all I have for you. Um, this week's episode of money owners, the next one will come out on, um, Friday, whatever that Friday is in two weeks from last Friday. So don't, it's not going to start coming out late again, just because of this. And, um, I really appreciate everybody's comments and questions and everything that has been coming in. If you have a question about student loans, I highly suggest that you send it to me on Twitter at Morgan with an E Rochard, um, because the person we have coming in next week to talk about it is like, awesome. And I really think you're going to get a lot out of that episode. Um, also submit your questions for the Q and a, which will come out in, I guess about three weeks from now. Um, any questions, a good question. So I encourage you to submit those as well. Um, write a review. If you like the show, tell a friend, we really appreciate all the listeners and all the questions and I'll see y'all in two weeks. Okay. Thanks. Thanks.